Good afternoon and welcome to the Fish Cast. It's been a minute. My name is Corey Long. And of course, joined by the man himself, Charles Fishbine. How you doing, Fish? Doing good. You got to wait for all good things, man. So this is a good yeah, thing. Yeah, that's it. Yeah, I had to wait for the good thing known as COVID to get through my system. So <laughs> that, was, uh, that was exciting. Oh, uh, man. But it's, you know, I feel better. I'll be... uh Still, you know, drinking a lot of water and sucking on some cough drops during this, but feel a lot better than I did last week. That's for sure. Um, you've had a busy stretch, and that's kind of what we're gonna get into. You are uh, this. I mean, would you consider this the first real full year at camps again? Like now we're we're out of like the pandemic aspect. Like everybody seems to be out again. Yeah, it's it's nonstop. Like every day, I know FIU has a seven on seven a day. FAU went yesterday. Uh, Western High School won the South Florida uh, version of FI, FAU. What they're basically doing is they had Dade County play on Monday or Tuesday, Broward play on Wednesday, uh, Tuesday, Palm Beach on Wednesday, and then they took the top four teams from each county. And they played a championship yesterday, which Western High School and Adam Rakovich won. They won the uh, first annual Tri-County Championship. And I think next year they're going to try to add a outside region so they could have, you know, whether it's a Tampa plan, Armwood, get some of those schools to come down and uh, bump them into the whole rotation. But uh, that was a good event. Um, Like I went up to FSU summer camp. FAU's had a bunch of camps, FIU. So, um, and I know University of Miami, I took Ethan to their uh, kitty camp and he got to take a picture with Mario Cristobal. So, yeah. Um, what have you, what have you noticed when you've been out there so far with just the, is it, are, are we getting bigger than normal? Uh, yeah. Numbers? Way more, way more numbers than, than you've seen. I mean, you know, we the first camp we went to was the FAU did a uh, the portal uh, graduate transfer JUCO camp, and that thing had over 500 kids. And I think that FAU started a thing that you'll start to see at other schools. And they're going to add a portal day. Um, all these schools, I believe, now that you have this, where the guys that are in the portal could come and work out at these other universities and see if, you know, they're worth uh, putting a scholarship on them. I think they have to. I think that's almost a, a necessity, but I don't know if you can do it. Like, I think it, it has to become an invitational. Like, FAU, you do, I think they realize real fast, well, there's a lot of kids in the portal and a lot of kids. There's, there's good things about that. I like that because, you know, the kids are bringing in are about business. You know, they know that the scholarship, you know, like you said, if there's – 500 kids there they're probably battling for like three scholarships so it's a super competitive environment that being said i don't know if i want to have open competition for those things for that reason it's like it's just hard to evaluate four five hundred kids but i think schools need to do this like i think the idea of having a portal campus or a transfer camp with jucos and perhaps and what it's very important yeah i i I definitely think this is not going away. Um, and I think that the, the thing you're going to have is you're going to have bigger numbers just because, you know, that first time around it's, you know, 
it's basically the kids are controlling the recruitment. Uh, the second time around, they're no longer in control and their future's on the line. And it's more of a business. Like they're not, you know, they're, they're not going to get NIL money. They're not going to get any perks. They're basically working for their next school. And I, I just think you're going to see, you, you see a thousand kids in the portal or 2000 kids in the portal. These kids don't have a lot of options. Um, they're fighting for a limited amount of numbers. I mean, you've got what uh, 130 schools that are division one yeah. schools, and maybe there's two or three spots available. So you're going to have 2000 kids fighting for two or three spots. And I think they're going to go, you're, they're going to, you're going to see, you know, you see a big school, uh, a power five school drop one of these camps. You may have a thousand players. Yeah. There. You're going to have to figure out a way what it's going to have to do, I think, like, say, Florida. Like, you know, Billy Napier, he's like, I need, like, 20 transfers. He'd have had a camp. He might have had two and a, he might have had 2,500 kids there. Yeah. Like, easy. literally, you'd have to hold it over almost a weekend. Yeah. Be like, all right, <laughs> having three sessions. Everybody, everybody has the, you know, register early. We're going to give you a number. That's going to be your session. And as, this is your time. We have nine of them, you know. And they're gonna they have to cut it off. And like, it's like you think about it. Florida holds a Florida holds a transfer pro. Oh my, everybody's showing up. Oh like, yeah, literally, you got entire JUCO sending every single player. Oh yeah, you're gonna it, have you're gonna have a ton a ton of players, and and they're not gonna even have to ask them to come. The kids are just no. gonna. They're, they're going to have to cut it off after yeah. like 2,500 kids. Yeah, they're going to have to have pre-registration and just say, listen, if you don't sign up, like they can't just have kids showing up the day of, you know, yeah. because the registration alone will take four or five hours, you know. Maybe that's our maybe that's our next business plan, Charles. Uh, I, hey, you want to you want to start this? We got to call Timmy up. We're gonna have an call all- Timmy Norlin. Uh, we'll tell because we got all of our we got all of our we got all of our FCS coaches all of our man. We can kill we can kill it on this one. Oh man, shoot! I, I'm sure Coach uh, uh, Kinnick. Uh, what's the coach at Western Florida? I, uh, oh, Pete Shinnick. Pete Shinnick. I. I, I I went through every Shinnick sh- and every, I went through all of those right now, but he would definitely let us hold it at his camp. You know, school. Oh my God. Oh yeah, absolutely. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. We gotta, we gotta matter of fact, we might have to edit this part out because this part should be shared in public. <laughs> we have to edit this part out of the podcast. Uh, we just made somebody a lot of money. Yeah. Yeah. We gotta, we gotta make ourselves a lot of money next time with this one. So. Yeah. Oh man. Um, so now here's where and a great thing about this this podcast and the stuff that we do with the like the Florida, you know, with the with the with the FNF coaches network and stuff is we can get a little bit more into detail. Now, kids get offered at camps. They do, they get offered at camps. And my question to you is when is an offer not an offer? but an invitation. And one of the kids that got a lot of pub, at least in the Southeast, was a kid named, uh, I think his name was Schmeick Jones or Schmeick. I'm not sure how to pronounce it exactly. Uh, he's out of South Carolina, out of Camden, South Carolina, which is a pretty pretty significant school in South Carolina. They've got, they usually have players there annually. He didn't have any offers. He went to the mega camp, the Florida State mega camp that you were at. He ends out there with 
roughly almost a dozen offers. Uh, mostly, they were mostly like FCS, and there's a couple of one double A's in there. But he also got Florida State, and then later he got Missouri. Now, in most cases, now, when I ask you this, are these are these offers or are these invitations? And so, well, I mean, some schools offer like Valdosta State offered him. I'm sure that's an offer. Yeah. Offer. Well, he's got like, you can commit he, there. Yeah, he got App State, Charlotte, Coastal, Connecticut. Um, those schools were all at the FSU Mega Camp. Georgia Southern was there. Georgia State, Prairie View, um, Troy State, uh, Valdosta State, Western Kentucky. All these schools were at their camp. And that's why the kid got offered at the Florida State camp. Listen, I, you know, I, I, I watched him at the camp. Um, you know, there was another coach there from one of the, um, you know, one double A programs that was watching him. And he basically was saying, you know, uh, that he liked the kid, this and that, you know, you're not really supposed to talk to these coaches about it. So you can't really get a whole lot from these coaches, even off the record about him. But he was a big, long athletic guy. And, and the one thing is, and we've talked about this uh, with, with when it comes to recruiting, uh, you know, offense and defense alignment. And my policy is you take as many as you can want now, especially with the transfer portal. But that's with kids that have played a lot. This kid has not played a lot, if at all. He's played, I think he was mainly a basketball player. So I think he's more of a, Hey, listen, we're going to see what you do through the first three games of the season if you're FSU. Hey, we're going to wait and see. I think they have that luxury. Yeah. Um, you know, Missouri's in a little different situation than Florida State in that they're in the SEC and they've got to take chances on kids like this. You know, the, he has an SEC body, the kid's yeah. an a- SEC athlete, but they're, sometimes Missouri, they're going to have to jump on a kid like this early because they're going to have to deal if, if for some reason this kid has a monster three or four games to start the year, South Carolina and Clemson, they don't want to be offering after those two, but they haven't offered yet. And that's, that's my concern. What do they know? What have they spoken to at the coach? Because you know, they've done the background and they vetted this kid now that he's been offered. Once a kid like that gets offered at an FSU camp, those schools in state schools are doing their homework. And yeah. those they're they're getting feedback like, hey, coach, you know what? Kids got a ton of potential. Um, it's kind of wait and see right now. He's not really played a whole lot. You know, that's probably the feedback they're getting. So they're in a wait and see mode because they can do that. Um, you know, the kid's a very talented kid. I don't think he's an FSU level prospect right now, and I don't think you feel that way. Uh, so there's really no reason for them to put that offer out, but I do think he has a committable offer from them. Uh, now that the junior college kid committed, that offer may not stand because yeah. he may have taken it. Well, uh, I mean, I guess that's my question. Like, is would they have, if he wanted to commit on the spot, would they have taken him that day? Would they have said, no, you got to come back and do an official? Would they have said, we need to see three, four games of film. Like, is Missouri in the same boat with saying, like, we're offering you, but we just have to see you. Like, we're not going to take your commit without you being on campus and seeing us and going through, you know what I'm saying, going through work. I did, like, and you know, 
Yeah, like it's is it going through some you know workouts and are they gonna is was this a situation where these are some offers, but the bigger schools especially still are gonna do more due diligence. Yeah, like I, if you want to go to Prairie View, I think Prairie View would take his commitment. No, I think any of the schools that offered at FSU's camp will take his commitment because App State, Coastal, Charlotte, that these are the type of kids that they're gonna make their living on. You know, they're going to they need the kids that have SEC level talent physically, but that kid isn't a fully developed prospect. Those are the type of kids that they're going to make their living on. And the Florida States don't have to have. uh, We've always talked about this. If you're Florida State, you're a power five school. You have the luxury to sit and wait on a kid like this especially Florida State's, you know, they already have Lamont Green's kid committed. Uh, They did a decent job last year getting some guys in there, Aaron Hester. Uh, They got a, you know, the, they got the verse kid coming back possibly for one more year after this. So Florida State sits in a position of strength. We've talked about this and Alex Atkins has done this with the offensive line there is that you want to be in a position of strength that you don't have to take a kid like this right now they're in a position that they could kind of be selective or picky you don't want to be in a position where you have to take these guys to kind of fill up your roster and then all of a sudden you know you get desperate because you want to you you need now the bigger talented kids they're in a position of strength where they don't have to take this kid they could offer them and then in that conversation you say to Shamik listen we like you but we got to see at least two or three games from you to start the season we want to bring you on a visit for a game, see if you like the atmosphere, and basically recruit them like that. That's a position yeah. of strength. You don't want to recruit in a position of weakness where you have to take a prospect like this this early in the process. Yeah, okay. All right. I mean, yeah, that, makes a, yeah, that makes a lot of sense, and that's really – and, I mean, you see, you see kids getting offered out of camp. I mean, camp – we talk a lot about film evaluation. It's a big, it's a big deal. It's huge. You got to see the film. You want to see full game film more. So the highlight film is what, you know, the public sees, but the coaches like to see, you know, full sets of game film to see how you are and multiple clips, you know, during the course of a game. But how important is it now to have the full eye, you know, even though they're not in pads, to have the full, full on, you know, in-person evaluation where you can get your eyes on them or you can where you can work them out where you can kind of get an idea of you know things that you can't see on film like their endurance and their ability to fight through adversity and really seeing how they match up against play, other players that you're trying to recruit that you feel are of like ability yeah yeah i always go back and and some people are saying oh you can't you can't take a kid out of camp and that's how, you know, we've had this, you know, conversation recently on a message board, you and I, about taking prospects or evaluating certain players at a camp. But I always go back to one player, Lewis Murphy. I remember Lewis Murphy came out of Lakewood High School. Yeah, right around the corner from me. And He's Gre- a head, and yeah, Gre- head coach at High School now. And Greg Carr. Greg Carr was at the FSU camp at the same time. They were at the same camp. And I remember going back and watching Lewis Murphy at the high, uh, at the high school camps. Lewis two years in a row was one of my favorite players. Every camp, he was the first guy in line. 
And it seemed like every time they did a rep, it was like, all right, he went. And then like two players later, he was back up again. And then he was back up again. And it's like, every time you turn around, you're like, there's no way 30 kids have gone, you know, like Lewis was the first kid in the line. Greg Carr was the last guy in line. You're like, Greg, get up there, get up there. And then you go back and look at their careers. Greg had way more physical talent. He was a taller kid. He probably had equal or as good speed. He had the more talent of the two players. Florida State fell in love with his size. But Lewis Murphy was the dog. He was the guy of the two that had that love of the game. He wanted to be the best guy at the camp. He called out the best players. And I remember it even got to the point where Lewis started playing corner against Greg Carr. And he mm. was he was out jumping Greg Carr to the football. And you're talking a good three to four inches difference. And I, I would have taken Lewis. And I know people could go, oh, that's oh, you're the Monday morning quarterback. You're good. No, I had Lewis as a higher rated kid. And then I even remember when Greg, it, it just, and you go back in their careers and Greg had his flashes where he had a very good career at Florida state, but you were always left wanting more. Like, you're like, God, man, this kid should dominate. And then you go, look, he comes out, he gets, he doesn't get drafted. And Lewis had the career in the NFL. And you always look back at that moment at that camp. And that's what stood out to me is that Lewis wanted to be great. He didn't have the physical talents of Greg Carr. And that's where I think that these camps become so valuable in that, hey, you could sit there and say the film doesn't lie. It's this or that. But the film doesn't tell you everything, Corey. The film doesn't tell you. You know, we go back to Jermaine Thomas. I remember Jermaine Thomas. We went up to South Carolina and we were like, why did FSU take Jermaine Thomas? And there was Avis Comack and Nigel Carr were the two higher rated guys. Nigel Carr quit in the game we went to. Avis Comack was a non-factor. And who was the leader of that team? Oh, Jermaine Thomas. Oh, my God. What a game. We changed our whole attitude yeah. just watching oh. him on the sideline, telling the players when they got down in that game, hey, we're going to win this darn effing, you know what, game. That's what I remember him going up and down the sideline. And the final drive, he made every play and they won. And I mean, you and I, you and I yeah. sat there and said, you know what? This is why in-person evaluations is so important. And what COVID, that's why we haven't seen the real effects of COVID yet. How are some of these teams, even the Alabamas and the Ohio States, are they going to have misses in those two classes because they could not see those kids on campus? Did they just evaluate them on film? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's and, and Jermaine Thomas is that's such a great example because, yeah, we were both you know, we were both, he was, he was a guy in the class, you know, it was, uh, you know, cause this was really the first class that, uh, you know, Jimbo Fisher was part of the FSU staff and he was a guy in the class. And then you saw him the first or second carry and, you know, we're just sitting there like, oh, okay, this kid's got a little something. And then he's realized that like, like you said, the final drive of the game, he's, he's catching the ball. Like he, the, the touchdown was a catch. He made a, contested catch down the field. He ran like a wheel route, I think. Yeah. And uh, it was uh, like, it's like, okay, this kid's got a lot. And yep. he turned out to be a productive player at Florida State. And it was just somebody that, you know, we, we really didn't know a lot about. And, you know, you turn out, you realize that then they went on the road. They were in a Berkeley, South Carolina, um, playing a night game, the doubleheader. Uh, Booker T had just smoked uh, 
Somerville, which was AJ Green, which was AJ AJ Green was in, was playing for Somerville. Booker T beat him by about a thousand, like yeah. to the point of where like they had the South Carolina guys. Like remember they ran, they came over to the Florida side and started and started cheering for him. Yeah, because they were just so impressed. And 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 that first coast <laughs> that first coast team was one of those teams that always did not win those type of games in the past. Yeah, like, like yeah. you, you expected it. And I expected them to just go up there and yeah, they had the more talented roster. How many times did we see first coast at that point go somewhere and just get blown out, whether it was manatee in the state finals or, you know, they always were one of those teams that looked pretty, but never played to that level. Um, yeah. There's, there's a lot of those in the state of Florida. Yeah. But they went up there and because Jermaine Thomas was the heart and soul of that team and he wasn't going to allow them to lose. He made all those plays in that game. And, and that's what got them there. And, and you cannot put that. That is the biggest thing. And I tell these guys when I'm evaluating them, just understand whether you're at practice, whether you're in a seven on seven, whether you're in a camp, whether you're in an actual game or a, a, a scrimmage that you have to understand, you never know when somebody's watching you and that you have to perform. The great players have to perform at a high level at all times because of that. You just don't know when somebody's watching you. And that's what makes the evaluation process so difficult. And especially the last couple of years is that you, you it's a guy could look great on film, but who are they going against who, you know, I, I always remember, uh, one coach who was on Urban Meyer's staff that I talked to, he said, listen, Urban really looked at how guys performed in the playoffs or in championship games because that's when you know how really good somebody yeah. is. If they play at a high level, um, at that level, and that's – we talked about with Greg Gaines last year. Greg was a very good receiver, but he put up 150-something yards on St. Thomas in a state championship game. My opinion of him went up because of that. Because yeah, that was I mean, that he had to do it. He, they knew he was their best player, St. Thomas did, and he still performed at a high level. That says something about that kid. Yeah, and I mean, I had saw him the week before when he played Lake Gibson, and that that Kermani McLean was with Gibson at the time. They went one on one, and you know, Greg got some plays on him. Kermani got some. You know, Kermani was a elite player, and he got his own. He got a pick, and he got. But you know, Greg had a heck of a game. Never, and the one thing. And the one thing you notice more, even if the guy didn't win every drill or any snap, they you know they they never stopped battling. It was never a question of I don't want to, I don't want this guy to cover me or get me off this guy. It was always it's me and you all game. Yeah, and you know I'll I'll take that. You know you don't have to win. You're not going to win every every battle. But no. you know I want I want the kid that's gonna that that, that doesn't want to that wants to compete all the way, especially like at that level. That was a state semifinal game, so. You know, you're playing for something big. No question. Well, camp season been a lot of fun. I miss camp season. I, uh, I'm, I'm, of course, I'm stuck with uh, a very successful hockey team that I have to cover. So camp season is always – I've missed it for the last several years uh, because of that. You know, maybe I'll get out there soon enough. Moving on. Uh, some new stuff and interesting stuff. So they decided – uh, the Big 12 decided uh, between them and the American Conference that UCF, Houston, Cincinnati, BYU will all start in the Big 12 next year. Um, at this point, and I don't see this changing 
Texas and Oklahoma are in the Big 12 for 2023 and 2024 because they're basically telling them they got to give them like $150 million to get out early, which neither school is going to do. Um, so you're going to have 14. And I thought this was a really interesting strategic move for the Big 12. And it's why I think the Big 12 on a low-key, the Big 12 is doing a very good job. You know, probably better than the ACC, better than the Pac-12. They're, they're figuring out, you know, even though they might not have the top-end teams, once Oklahoma and Texas are gone, they've got this two-year period where, they've, you know, they're still on their, they're still on their TV contract with uh, Fox and obviously with uh, ESPN. And it's like I was telling somebody, I might have been telling you this, it's like, you realize Texas and Oklahoma will be playing in all four of those stadiums over their final two years. Like, that's going to be their selling point. Like, they're going to make Oklahoma travel to UCF. They're going to make them travel to Houston. And they're going to play in front of, you know, at crowds in those stadiums that kind of, you know, you're never going to ease the uh, the pain of losing in Oklahoma and Texas, but they're going to make sure to get the most out of them in those final two years and kind of boost up their new guys coming in by, you know, because as we all know, it's all about recruiting. So it's like, if I can put Oklahoma and, you know, and UCF in an early season game, you know, week three or four, put them at, you know, at UCF at their stadium, they're going to pack the joint. They'll have, they'll have a record crowd, an overflow crowd. Oklahoma probably win. It'd be probably be a tight, be a good competitive game. But it doesn't matter. It matters is the, it's the perception. Yeah. It's the perception that, you know, UCF's got this big crowd. It's the perception that, you know, Houston or Cincinnati, BYU, when Texas goes to BYU, it's going to be this big, massive crowd. And, you know, that's what they're working with. So I thought this was a pretty, pretty genius move by them to bring in those schools as quickly as possible. So they can have a little bit of crossover my, with the schools that are departing. My question to you is, are they trying to sell the Big 12 conference on maybe a Miami, a Florida State, a Clemson? Like, like, hey, listen, you don't like the deal you're in now. We could. Uh, I just think that maybe they're forward thinking on this. Like, hey, listen, we had a bad situation. We're going to make it into a good situation. Let's make our conference desirable for other teams that maybe don't like the conference they're in. Um, so you really don't know how the landscape of college football is in going to be the next few years, but those schools, I truly believe can get out of their. I know people say, Oh, they can't get out of their grant of rights. Listen, that's great. That grant of rights. But when schools are losing money or they can't be competitive, they have the right to get out of that deal at some point. Some lawyer will be able to find an out. Yeah. You got lawyers and arbitrators. You can yeah. figure your way out of anything. Yeah. I, I believe. You know, so you got to wonder is the Big 12 trying to make their conference desirable to a Clemson, a Florida State, a Miami? Uh, because at the end of the day, you know, a lot of those schools still have, I mean, Baylor has a big market in Texas, Oklahoma State. Um, has done a good job. They almost made the playoffs last year. A lot of these schools are very good in football. You know, I, I it's the conference is not a bad conference in football. No, I mean, Baylor won a championship in basketball. You know, I, I just they 
these are money. The, the one thing about those schools in that conference, they have money, you know, yeah, 12, uh, had a crazy revenue year. Yeah. You know, they, they really did. Um, and I mean, you're bringing in a Houston, which, you know, has it's had a big, has, it's a big city market, big city know? market. They dabbled in big time football before got a Heisman winner. They played in a, you know, they played, they played, you know, under Tom Herman. They got to a Sugar Bowl, I think it was, or Peach Bowl, maybe. Um, you know, UCF's had a nice run. Cincinnati's in the midst of a nice run. BYU was in the midst of a like the the four schools that they're bringing in. They've all had really recent history with some great seasons. BYU's been was a top five program a couple years ago. You yeah. have you have UCF that mythically won a national championship they beat auburn in a in a new year's day bowl so these teams have had success we talked about the cincinnati's the uh houston's and why they're they have success at the lower level they're going to continue to have success going up because they're big city markets uh especially with the nil deals now a lot those schools will have a lot of offer off the field uh opportunities I think the conference could come back and have a, a, almost like a rebirth and do very well for themselves. Yeah, and, and, I, and I'm, I'm really curious to see how 2023 and 2024 work when they've got the Oklahoma-Texas crossover to help them really promote these new schools that they're bringing in. I think they're, I think they're smart enough to know how to use, you know, the, the draw that Oklahoma and Texas will have for two years to help them push their future product. And, you know, that, that's pretty, uh, you know, that, that, that can work out pretty well for them. Okay. Now, continuing along this line, and this is an interesting, uh, it, you're going to, you'll see the connection in a second. Major League Soccer, which we don't talk about, which I don't even watch. I don't, I mean, I barely watch Europe. I barely watch like the, the English Premier League stuff. But they are now going to be in 2023. Exclusive home will be on Apple TV. So Apple TV, they have Major League Soccer. They have a little baseball. Peacock has a little baseball. They have Notre Dame football because they're NBC-based. Amazon Prime getting into, has you know, been in the NFL for a couple of years. The Big Ten is the only school that immediately has a TV contract coming up. Our, where are we at? Are we close to seeing college football conferences jump in the streaming lane? I listen, if you're going to close that revenue gap between the SEC and the rest of the conferences, and, and we've talked about this, I don't know. You, you were a forward thinker on this. I, I think this is the way you're going to close the gap is make it a comp. It's become a monopoly. ESPN basically monopolized just every sport. Yeah. You know, this now allows teams that have that revenue gap that was it's wide to start to close and make a competitive balance in these sports, especially college football. You know, the fans are all worried about, uh, you know, oh, man, the SEC, the SEC, the SEC. And it's great. But I think you feel the same way. And, and we've had this discussion with our buddy Dima. I mean, I text back and forth with them all the time. College football does not want to become a regional sport as great no. as the SEC is. And we've seen it in NASCAR. All right. You don't want to be pigeonholed 
into one area that only those people care about the sport. Because I don't believe the executives at the TV companies really want to just lose 75% of the country because of one conference. And this is going to open it up and I believe allow more teams to be competitive and close that gap. And this is where a Florida state and a Miami have to, you know, they, they, they speak to the new commissioner of the ACC and this guy, they got to realize let's jump on this thing. Now let's not, you know, let's not be the last one to do it. Let's be the first one and get a sweetheart deal now. So you can basically control that market and get and, and have the leverage. Don't wait till it's too late and all that money's dried up again. Yeah, and uh, the one, you know, you can't, you have to be able to diversify your portfolio when it comes to TV. You know, ESPN was able to get over on, you know, the ACC for a long period of time. They've got pretty much rights to all the tiers of their games. Um, you know, the Big Ten did a short contract for the reason that they want to come back to the table now. And because they know that they can use their, they can use their assortment of games and just do it. Like ESPN can have a piece of your pie. They can't have the whole pie. Like teams are, teams are starting, conferences are realizing they can't have the whole pie because Fox wants to get into it. With CBS, is this the CBS's final year with the SEC? They might want to, they might want to get into something still. I know Turner Network wants to get into more sport. You know, there's opportunities other places. You know, NBC might want to expand just past just Notre Dame. So there's opportunities everywhere. And, you know, these the conferences that are in a position to take advantage of it right now are the Big Ten, and I think the Big 12 has a TV deal coming up pretty soon. So they're going to be, you know, they're in spots to take advantage of this right now. No, I agree. I, I definitely think there's a lot of opportunity for the ACC and moving forward for those schools. Yeah. But once again, you have to have forward thinkers and people that are willing to take chances because they've almost taken whatever they've been given in the past. And it's like, okay, we're fine with this. But that attitude put them in the position they're in now. Where yeah, it was, these were good deals at the time, but like any deal, whether it's a TV deal or a free agency contract with a team, your favorite team or whatever, they always focus on the money. And I always believe you focus on the term. How many years? You know, the money's the money, but how many years are we stuck in this deal? And, you know, the thing was, when the ACC did their deal, it sounded good at the time, but it was like a 25-year marriage. And at the end of the day, they were never, you know, with the with the rate, of, they were never going to get back the, you know, they were never going to get back the rate of return that they wanted for their deal. And, you know, you find yourself in 2022, you know, claiming that you just don't have enough money to operate like the other, like the other conferences. So, you know, you have to see what, it's really about just putting the conference itself in the best position to always have some leverage right now, you know, the ACC, their main leverage is the a playoff expansion. That's how they're going to have to get their money for a couple of years. And that's why it's going to be such a difficult thing to do because those schools that are, are not 
find you know the like Pac-12 that aren't financially as well off, they've got to squeeze as much as they can out of a playoff expansion instead of just giving it all to ESPN. Nah, I agree with you. Yeah. All right. Final thing today. Um, the NCAA is considering. It looks like they're leaning towards putting some guidelines on the transfer portal and when kids can announce to go into the portal. Um, what it looks like is that it would be that they have to make their announcement of going into the portal during two periods that kind of coincide with recruiting, with different, you know, recruiting aspects. Uh, from the, the dates that I'm reading, is it be something like the first, the first, uh, area where you can uh the first transfer window would be like from thanksgiving to around like the first like the like the early signing period so let's say like thanksgiving to december 15th for example and the second period would be from about tax day like april 15th to may 1st now you don't have to transfer during this time you just have to announce your intentions of going into the portal so I mean the I mean right now kids are just going in randomly. There's no real rhyme or reason to it. Do you like the idea of having having windows for this to happen? Yeah, you need you need some sort of guidelines because I, I just don't like the idea of a kid in the middle of the season jumping in the portal. I, I well I don't know if I'd recruit that player knowing that in the middle of the season he just bailed on his team and I that player needs to realize. If you're bailing in week six, what happens if there's a run of injuries? You could have had the opportunity to play. Now you have two or three games that you could have played in that someone could else scout you. But you have to put some sort of guardrails or, or guidelines on this because you really don't want teams losing players in the middle of the season uh, once they figure they're not going to play. I just think that's a bad precedence. I think you it, it'd be good to have some sort of rules of when they could go in and when they could come out and, and it will help the coaches keep their rosters intact for the whole season during the season and and be able to still finish out the season. You don't want, you don't want to start seeing these colleges and they, they were able to get away with it with COVID is start in week nine, 10, 11, 12, just say, you know what? We don't have enough players. We can't play these games. I, I just think it could create a lot of problems all around. Uh, so it will be good to do that. I think the sport will be a lot better off for it. And honestly, maybe it'll make some kids think twice about even going in because now they did finish the season on a good note and now they feel like they have a chance the following year. So I think it will be a positive all around. Yeah, I agree. And I'd love to see them go a step further and have a like a transfer acquisition window where you got to like – from if if the if the if the player has a window of when he can choose a transfer, the school the schools have from you know say December fifteenth to February first to get those early transfers, and then from May first to May fifteenth to get those second transfers, and that's it. That's your that's your time period to visits and do all that stuff. So you know, so it so it's a little bit of structure to it, no doubt. Yeah. Well, all right. I'm going to let you 
we're gonna call, we're gonna wrap this up. I know you got a big weekend ahead with some camps, and I know you were a you were a champion at the uh, father son uh, baseball game last night as the parents went up against the kids. You didn't and, you, uh, you didn't notice something missing today? What? You didn't notice it's been real quiet in this chat. You know, I I didn't. I'm surprised you didn't notice it. They, bird? No the bird, the birds in that room. Oh, I'm about to say, you, that was, I thought that you killed him. I didn't want to say you killed the bird finally. No, nah, uh, we didn't kill it, but it got moved. The bird got the bird. Yeah, I heard the bird on another podcast. You were on. I was like, that bird, that bird just will not give it up. Yeah, man. It, what's funny is it never makes noise until we get on. It must like yeah. our voices, man. I guess. Because I mean I, I mean I've been around the bird. The bird don't say nothing. The bird just be a bird. And in the minute we in the podcast, the bird goes nuts. Yeah. Well, he's not in it today, so all right. No bird today. How'd you up playing the father-son game, by the way? Uh I I actually I made a c- couple catches in the outfield. I don't know how. And uh I got a kid out at second. And I crushed – Ethan came up and pitched against me, and I crushed one of his balls to uh, left field. So I got a double out of it. I got to tell you, man, ra- I had to tap out after I ran a second on <laughs> one of the, one of the <laughs> other kids. I don't even want to say it, but this one kid's sister who plays softball, she had to take my spot at sec- second. I was gassed. I ain't going to lie, man. I was- Corey, that it used to be easy until uh-huh. you get a, oh my god i was sweating i was breathing heavy the one guy who's a firefighter is like hey listen man i ain't giving you cpr if you pass out i get, he goes you're on your own today i'm uh-huh. all, i'm not working today i just started laughing you know exactly again no joke especially as hot as it is outside i mean i mean it's so muggy and humid outside it's like you're walking right into a you're walking right into a stove. Yeah. Man, this thing is just scary right now. So, well, hey, are you uh, heading into camps this weekend or are you taking a weekend off? Um, I don't know what's going on this weekend. I got to look on my schedule. I know there was an FAU seven on seven a day, but we'll see. Um, I'll probably do some stuff next week more. So, all right. All right. Well, definitely we'll uh, continue to have more updates on your camp whereabouts and let us know what you see and, you know, what really excites you right now is we're, uh, we're almost in magazine season. I see Lindy's is out. Phil Steele is starting to get delivered. Uh, oh man, I got, I got to get my Phil Steele. Got to get your Phil Steele. Actually. I was, uh, just looking through, he, he dropped last year's digital, like the digital version of last year's magazine for free. So I just downloaded it to give me a chance to look at some stuff from last year. And it's always interesting, yeah. you know, looking back, and uh, seeing where the hits and the misses were, but uh, yeah, all the magazines. I, I don't, I don't buy them all, but I, I might go into like Barnes and Noble and I like finger through like Lindy's and Athlons, and then I'll end up buying Phil Steele, which is now like twenty five bucks. I remember when Phil was like ten dollars. Phil is twenty five bucks now, I think. 
Bill Steele's 25 bucks. Yeah, it's like 20, 25 bucks now. Oh, it's like the whole thing's in color, and I don't know how much advertising they really have in it. So they're probably trying to make up some of that money. So yeah, yeah, I mean, they have like betting sites. They have like these, these backdoor, yeah. like like offshore betting sites cover like their advertisement. They're probably gonna get paid for this stuff. Yeah. Well, we're gonna talking about betting. We're gonna have to have our buddy Lee Sterling come on and talk about some of the totals and stuff soon about who he thinks is going to go over and under uh, among the Florida schools. He's been watching a lot of uh, spring games and stuff. So, oh, I like that. I think that's a heck of an idea. Yeah. We should bring them on. Yeah. And, of course, we'll have some coaches on in the near future. I know you've been working some things out, so we'll be yep. working on that real soon. Yep. And uh, really that's on. I just want to say thanks, everybody, for listening. Uh, Justin Otto. Is a I think he's still our producer. You haven't talked to him in a few weeks, but yeah, he is. Yeah, he's, he's still there. Our producer. Let's hope so. I know he's been. He's probably you know they they like these new uh a couple a couple of new like Grand Theft Auto online games drop. So he's been real busy. I'm sure. Yeah. You know, been battling against the rest of the uh the e player. You know, the esports nation out there. So oh man, he got he him and his family listened to the last podcast and got a good chuckle out of it. So oh, did they? We were making yeah. fun of him being a, being a Cubs fan, and it's like no, yeah. I, I don't think it's more of the uh, he lives in a basement, but it's all oh, he lives in the basement part. Yeah, he lives in the basement. Yeah, that's right. Oh yeah, all these things may or may not be true. So yeah, we don't know the truth on that. So yeah, we we're, we're, were just we're just assuming. We yeah. know he loves Grand Theft Auto, though. He did He did confirm that. He did say he's a Cubs fan, but if Grand Theft Auto had a baseball team, he'd completely be Team GTA all day. So all right. We, yeah. we need to understand that. So, well, it's great. Oh, um, congratulations to the Golden State Warriors, I guess. I didn't watch. I watched maybe 10 minutes of the series. They shoot too many threes, and Draymond was embarrassing himself, and the refs wouldn't call anything, so. Yeah, not fun. Well, my son was happy. He's a he's a Golden State fan. I, I it's, you know, it's bad that as being a Sixer fan, I'm cheering for the Celtics, and these darn guys have to lose. But whatever. I know. Yeah, like I felt, I felt kind of, I felt a little bit of a kinship to the Celtics because I needed, I was so steadfast in them beating Brooklyn that I was like, I can't just dump them, you know. After that, I really wanted Milwaukee to win. You know, I wanted. A different, a, a better situation in there, but I couldn't really knock the Celtics. That being said, yay, yay, Warriors. I guess. I mean, mm. whatever. They're just, they're just not. They've never been excited me. Like I just can't. A team that just, when like your best play is a pull up thirty two footer, I'm just not as always yeah. excited. It's hard to watch just guys jacking up threes, and it's a numbers game. You hit enough of them, you win. Yeah. You know, these teams were averaging like I think forty plus each for yeah. threes. I'm like, that's just a lot of bricks. I mean, yeah, a lot of bricks. Some, but and and what's yeah. so crazy is you, there was parts of the games you saw how easy it was to get to the hole, and they'd stop doing it. And it's like uh, you yeah. know, get get guys in foul trouble, put them in a position where you're gonna you could take the game away from them. But it's it's the way the game's played now, and you know, I hopefully eventually the t- game starts to tilt back a little. I, I would do something with the three-pointer and pro basketball. I don't know if you move it further back, but then these guys are going to just be jacking it up from half court. So I don't know. Corey, give us uh, where everybody can reach out to us and let's call it a day, buddy. Absolutely. Let's call it a day before, uh, yeah, let's call it a day before, before our computer. 
on my computer knocks out again. Uh, yeah, of course, you can see us at a, at the Fish Podcast on Twitter. Um, of course, you can you can listen to the Fish Podcast, Apple, and um, Apple Podcast, Google Podcast, and iHeartRadio, and Spotify, and a bunch of other places. Thanks to all. Thanks to our distribution group with the uh, uh, with the FNF coaches, uh, Talk Florida Sports, or yeah, FNF coaches Talk Florida. Yes, we do it now. And um, of course, just thank you all for listening, and we'll be back real soon. All right, guys, you take care. Eric Estep here. This episode is brought to you by Forney Industries. Get it done with green. Forney offers a full line of welding and plasma cutting machines, metalworking accessories, and more. For do-it-yourselfers all the way to professional metalworkers, Forney has everything you need for your next project. Shop Forney's top-of-the-line products at forneyind.com. That's Forney, F-O-R-N-E-Y, ind, I-N-D.com, or at an authorized Forney dealer near you.